as we go into the message today, um, I've entitled this message uh, this morning as From Learning to Loving. And it's important because there are three things that remain at the, at the end of the chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The three things that remain are faith, hope, and love. But the Bible tells us that the greatest of them all is what? Is love. And today we'll complete the, the series, Growing in Faith, Hope, and Love. And that means it's the most important one of the series. And so that's why I'm so grateful and thankful that this series falls, the end of this series falls on a family Sunday. Because I want not only us as adults and grandparents and parents to hear it, but... I want, the, I want the children to hear it, to know it, and to put it down deep in their hearts. <coughs> My family gathered together for a movie night last night. Um, any families out there ever have movie nights? We had, we had sleeping bags and pillows and snacks and, and more snacks, and we turned the lights down. <coughs> Excuse me. We turned the lights down and we we uh, watched a brand new movie that just came out on April the 28th from Disney. It's called Peter Pan and Wendy. Okay. Now, for many of you children out there, Peter Pan and Wendy is a brand new movie. We've never seen or heard anything about Peter Pan at all. Right? And for the rest of us, thank you, sir. And for the rest of us, the, um, the movie was a, a, an adaption of a play that was written in 1904 by a man that uh, uh, his name was, um, let me see, what was his name? Anybody know? <laughs> Um, I can't remember what his name was. I'll tell you whenever I think of it. Uh, anyway, but then after he wrote this play in 1911, he wrote an, another thing. It was a book that was an adaptation of the play. And in 1958, Disney came out with an adaptation from the book to a cartoon. And that's the Peter Pan that we've all heard and know about. Unless you've read the book, that is. And this is so important because our understanding of, of life sometimes plays a part in what we think about and what we tell the stories that we tell each other. And it was a wonderful time to sit down and watch this movie with my family. Of course, I kind of knew what the ending was going to be because it's almost exactly shot for shot like the cartoon. And I like the cartoon quite a bit. But as I, as, oh, J.M. Barry. I just had to read a little bit further in my notes. J.M. Barry. But as I, as I watch this uh, passage, or excuse me, as I watch this video play through, <coughs> excuse me, as I watch this video play through, I realize that Peter Pan is kind of a commentary on what it's like to not want to grow up. Uh, there's a song that we all know uh, from the 80s and 90s, I don't want to grow up, I'm a... That's right. Now, there's a lot of people that are asking their parents right now, what's Toys R Us? But we... 
the, the desire not to want to grow up is very common because the, the truth of the matter is, is that Peter Pan is a, a magical figure, this childlike boy that, that chooses never to grow up and has found a way to freeze time in his life. And his name, Peter Pan, is not by accident. Uh, the truth is, is that the Greek word Pan means all or everything. You see, Pan was the god of all, according to the Greeks. And, and so this name was given to Peter Pan because Peter Pan represented unlimited potential, just like every child out there. He had unlimited potential, but he didn't want to let go and relinquish the potential that he had. He wanted to maintain the opportunity to, to play as if he was anything and everything at all times. And that became his nature, Peter Pan, that doesn't want to grow up. But, but why doesn't he want to grow up? And as we look and we find out, his adversary was Captain Hook. And Captain Hook was, well, he was kind of a scoundrel, wasn't he? I mean, who really wants to be Captain Hook? Uh, don't raise your hands, children. <laughs> who, nobody wants to be Captain Hook because if you look at all, first of all, he has a hook. Okay, and nobody wants to have a hook for their hand, okay, unless, unless you're an eight-year-old boy on Halloween. But second of all, he's a tyrant, and third of all, he is chased around by a crocodile that took his hand. And the crocodile that took his hand already has a taste for him, and the special thing about the crocodile is the crocodile has a clock in his stomach, and, the, and Captain Hook can hear the tick, tick, tick of that of that crock as he comes closer and closer to try to grab a hold of him. And this really truly represents in our lives the, the idea, the concept that time already takes a chunk out of us and that we can't get away from time as we grow old. Anybody try to get rid of time as you grow old? It just keeps chasing you and trying to take a bite out of you all the time. And there's no uh, coincidence that this crocodile has that time in his stomach and a little piece of Captain Hook as an adult. But then we find out that, okay, it's fine. Uh, Peter Pan doesn't want to turn into Captain Hook. That's fine. He wants to be a child for the rest of his life. But being a child for the rest of his life causes him to be the leader, the king of the lost boys. Okay? The lost boys are all the boys and girls that have chosen not to grow up with him. And so Peter finds himself in, in a, uh, with camaraderie amongst all the little children that don't want to grow up too. And we don't live in a day and age where we, find, we look out and we find children that don't want to grow up into their 20s and 30s, do we? Right? They don't congregate all together and, and play like they don't really have jobs or that they're, 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 there's no obligations in life. There's no real meaning to growing old. Or do we? <laughs> but, then, but then he's also in a place of never, never land. And Never Neverland is, is a problem because that place doesn't actually exist, does not He's the king of the lost boys in a place that doesn't exist, yet he tries so hard to hang on to that place and that time. It, it never is just quite right. He can never actually just stay there. He has to always come back to earth. And then finally, uh, not finally, we have, uh, we have the sacrifices that Peter Pan makes. And Peter Pan makes many sacrifices uh, throughout this film, throughout this book. But one of the most significant sacrifices that Peter makes is that he 
sacrifices a relationship with a real, an, another person, a real person named Wendy. Uh, in the movie, they call her the Wendy because all the lost children have decided that the Wendy is very important because she can care for people. She can read bedtime stories and she can give kisses until she runs out of thimbles. But the problem is, is that Peter can't ever develop a real relationship with, with Wendy because he never wants to grow up. And so he's relegated to a relationship with a, a little fairy named Tinkerbell. And Tinkerbell is a figment of his imagination that, that, um, that no one can understand except for Peter Pan. And she's not quite big enough to have real emotions and, real, and share real love with Peter. The problem, the, the wonderful thing about this story is that, is that this is a, as a beautiful fantasy. It's a wonderful uh, story to, to talk about, but it's a really tragic model to live your life by. To not want to grow up, to not want to mature, to not want to grow in life. And the real tragedy is that although we can sit and say as adults that there's beauty in growing old and there's beauty in maturing and beauty in, in getting smarter and getting tougher and getting wiser. As Christians, many times we choose to live a Peter Pan life in Christ. And the author of Hebrews in our Bibles, well, he has something to say about Christians that don't want to grow up. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 6, uh, 3. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Verse one of chapter six. So let us stop going over the basics, uh, basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead. I mean, become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understand. You see, one of the most important things in our life is to learn how to love. And as children, it's important that we as children of God learn how to mature and grow in our love for one another so that one day you and I can care for other people that are growing and maturing in their love for Christ. So today I want to challenge each of us kid or adult, to become a mature Christian who loves others. Amen? Let's pray because I have to hurry today. Heavenly Father, 
open our hearts and lives to receive your word so that it will impact us in a deep and profound way. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, from learning to living. When I was growing up as a little boy, I struggled with... Um, a learning disability. I, I, I'm not exactly sure what it was. As a matter of fact, my parents weren't either, but I do know that I struggled from kindergarten to first grade so much so that my parents, with the guidance of the school system, decided to hold me back into what they call developmental first grade. Um, I remember them telling me, uh, you know, where we lived at the time, and I remember my heart being broken because I knew that I could not quite do exactly what the, the teachers, my parents were expecting of me. It broke my heart. I wanted to do better, but I just couldn't. All the rest of my life through school, I, I, some classes I did well in, some classes I didn't do so well, but it was very difficult for me at times. My, later on in life, my parents uh, tested me for uh, maybe testing anxiety. Maybe that was what it was, but it, as it turns out, they gave me a little bit extra time on my tests, and then I finished early, so that didn't make very much sense. And then they put me in academically gifted courses, and I did very well in academically, academically gifted courses until I got bored of those, and then I didn't do very good in any of the courses. It was just kind of weird and confusing growing up as to why I would do good in some classes and not so good in others. But then later on in life, as I, as God put it in my heart to go back and get my Master of Divinity in the very, the hardest program of my life, that's the program that I did the very best at, and I graduated on the honor roll. The truth of the matter is, is that learning disability doesn't mean that you can't learn. Amen? And I'm so glad and thankful for that. The truth is, though, is that sometimes people struggle with learning disabilities. But here in Hebrews, the author talks about the Hebrew people struggling with a spiritual learning disability. In verse 11, it says, spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. And... Sometimes as Christians, we can reflect that or model that. People that are spiritually dull and don't want to seem to listen. But the, but the important thing that we can get from this is that, is that every, every person in this room, no matter where you are in Christ and your own understanding of who he is and what he wants for you, you can grow and develop into a mature believer of Christ. My family and I, um, the, my kids have kind of inherited some of my traits. I, I have a tendency to fixate on things. If there's, a, if there's something I'm interested in, I can pour hours and hours and hours into it without looking up. My son is like that. He likes to play video games. And he'll, he likes to play video games so much that he even likes to watch other people play video games. Right? And then you can watch other people, and then you read about playing video games, and then whenever it comes to you actually playing the video game, you get tired of it, and then you go on to the next game. That's just kind of how it happens. And everybody in my family has some kind of fixation that they like to see, but the, the truth of, of the matter is, is that, the, that there has to be evidence of real learning. That fixation, that learning has to ha show some evidence of progression. But if it doesn't show any evidence of progression, if there's nothing good that happens from the fixation, from the, from the act of learning, then we really aren't growing and maturing in Christ, are we? So as Christians, I could ask you, are you growing in maturity in Christ? Or have you settled for always learning about him? 
Now, as a, as a Christian, it's so good that we come to church and we learn and we grow. As a Christian, it's so good that we come on Wednesday nights to be discipled. It's, it's good to listen to messages and podcasts and to read your Bible and devotion. But when we always find ourselves locked into a, the idea of preparation and we never engage in reality with the faith and the hope that we, that we have been put inside of us, it's almost as if we are just like the Hebrews, that we have spent all of the time learning and talking and discussing about regular, ordinary things of Christian life, but we haven't actually engaged in what we're supposed to be engaging. I'll ask you this, have, has anybody over the past year uh, uh, experienced a completing a spiritual goal in your life? Did you, did you make any spiritual goals over this past year? Have you witnessed to someone? Who are you actively discipling intentionally? Are you praying for other people? And if you did pray for a person, did you believe God for a miracle? And because you were there to believe God for a miracle, did you see the miracle occur? You see, each one of these things are, are regular, very basic, ordinary elements of the life of a mature believer. And if you haven't experienced those things in a while, perhaps you've slowly allowed yourself to be, have experienced arrested spiritual development. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. You see, spiritual ignorance or willful ignorance is always treated very carefully in scripture. Hosea chapter 4 verse 14 says, Oh foolish people, you refuse to understand so you will be destroyed. That's not a good thing. When people refuse to understand, refuse to engage in God's word, they'll be destroyed. We find out later on that in the New Testament that Paul always encourages the believers in the fruit of the Spirit. He always encourages the believers about what's happened in the past uh, in, in, with their ancestors. Romans chapter 1 verse 13, I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. Paul saying, I want you to progress in your faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about the ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. See, parents and grandparents, it's so important to share your stories with your family. The stories of how God has brought you from one place to another. And a generation in a, in a society that is craving the authentic relationship with God and, and craving to see the power of God enacted in our very lives is so important that you and I share the stories of the times that we came to him, that we submitted our life to him, the times that we prayed and we saw miracles, the times that we were, were, were baptized in the Holy Spirit with initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. 
It's so important to share these stories and these traditions to encourage and remind. And it works more than just to remind our children and put a goal in front of our children, but it reminds us from where we've come. And it works as a, it works as a marker in our lives to show us how far we've matured beyond it or how far we've fallen past it. Grandparents and parents, our kids are looking for that in our lives. See, you can't learn true spiritual or true spirituality from just being in the classroom or 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 hearing somebody else talk about it. It must be experienced in our lives. The truth is, is that we have to live it out. We have to experience in our families. We have to pledge ourselves to it as these families this morning pledged to live it out and as you pledged to help these families live it out. Hebrews 5.14 reminds us solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the differences between right and wrong. <laughs> I, I kind of messed up the other day. My wife told me to give some snacks to my nine-month-old. I gave him a cracker. I gave him one of those chew little crackers. I gave him a gummy bear. I heard the laughters from the moms and the grandmothers. You all know what I did wrong. See, my little baby wasn't quite ready for that gummy yet. So I got in trouble. I got in trouble by two people, my wife and my son, because he started crying because I took away the best thing he's ever eaten in his mouth. You see, Peter Pan is not a good model for us to grow up and try to set our life by. God expects us to grow and mature and hunger for the things that, that he's called us to. He puts a taste in us to grow and develop and mature, and we should taste and see that the Lord is good. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 tells us, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting and from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You see, even though life is easier when we stay learners, when we sit in the pews and we and we just listen over and over again, that's pretty easy life. You just show up and you understand everything that God wants you to do. But God expects us to do more than just sit and listen. God expects us to do something with the things that we've gained. That's where maturity sets in. Some Christians prefer the security of a perpetual preparation for service to the challenge of actually living for Christ in a hostile world. It can be scary. It can be challenging. But God has put inside of you something very unique and peculiar. 
his Holy Spirit that can empower you to have the words to say to a generation, to your children, the power and the courage to speak them over their life and the ability to lead them through this world in a right and a God-fearing way. See, religion is a good place to hide from the will of God. And that's at times what many of us try to do. We think because we're religious, then we're okay. But Hebrews chapter six, verse four through six reminds us, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. It is impossible I'm going to say it again. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Many people over the course of the many years of my ministry have come to me and asked me to help them understand what it looks like to fall away from God and commit the unpardonable, the unforgivable sin. It's the sin of apostasy. Many people call it blasphemy, but blasphemy is, an apostasy is an umbrella term. Blasphemy is the speaking out against God. Apostasy is the turning away from God. You can create, you can, you can sin the unpardonable sin without a word by just simply in your heart and your life and your actions turning away from all that God has called you. As a matter of fact, apostasy literally means turning away. The reason I'm talking about this and stressing this so much is because I think it's so important for you and I in our lives to understand that if we choose willfully to not want to grow up in Christ, to not become the mature believers that he's calling us to do, then you think that you might be standing still in your faith, but you're really falling in your faith. So I put together five signs that helped you to understand if you might be in danger of apostasy or falling away from him. Number one, spiritually unconcerned, resistant, or rebellious. Is that you? Number two, increase desire and priority for the things of this world. That's a sign of apostasy. Becoming increasingly tolerant of sin in your life. Number four, ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And number five, perhaps the most dangerous, repeatedly sinning in the same area family of God, the reason I share this with you is simply this. Over time, if you allow these, these things to occur in your life, you go, grow closer and closer to allowing the Holy Spirit's fire to be put out in your life. The Bible is very clear the Holy Spirit will not remain inside of you while you continue to fall away from him, at some point, he removes himself 
from the situation. And why is it the unforgivable sin? Is there nothing that God can't do? Absolutely right. But the reason it's the unforgivable sin is that those that are active in this list will not allow their hearts to come back to a repentant state before the Lord. It's not that the Lord can't forgive them. It's that they choose not to ever even think or ask because they don't care. Family, the beautiful thing is that if you still feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you're not in danger of apostasy. You haven't committed the unpardonable sin. If you want to be with him, if you want to live for him, if you want to serve him, if you want to repent of your sin, then there's still time. Would you stand with me all over this place? Boys and girls, moms and dad, grandparent, I'm so glad that you're here today because the challenge is very clear that you and I are to grow and to develop in a relationship with God that he's called us to be in. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, uh, chapter 6, verse 9 through 12 is a reminder for us of what we should be doing. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things. Somebody say amen things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others. Somebody say loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Somebody say hope for. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their, somebody say, faith and endurance. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would move on our hearts and our lives, Lord, to receive your word as it challenges us, Lord, to have faith, hope, and love. But Lord, as we grow and mature in our faith, Lord, you've called us to love one another. That's the proof. That's the brilliance of your word, Lord, that our maturity causes us to, Lord, turn around and engage in what you called us to do by loving and caring for others. So, Lord, put it in our hearts and our lives, Lord, to find you, Lord, to continue to give others hope and to come and do life together. Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every one of us today as we hear your words. Bless us as we leave so that we can do the same for our community. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Be blessed this morning.